The Veterans Affairs Department was quick to praise success of the initial deployment of its new electronic health record last fall. But nearly six months in, VA employees and congressional overseers say the EHR deployment in Spokane, Washington, was far less successful than what the agency initially touted. Clinicians say they're still experiencing usability problems. Members of Congress believe VA has some tough decisions ahead now that it has launched a strategic review of that program. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me with the latest. Nicola, let's talk about some of the problems the clinicians have been experiencing that led to that delay and kind of look at the program in the first place. Right. So VA went live with this Cerner Millennium electronic health record or a platform based on Cerner Millennium uh, late last October or so. And they deployed it to Spokane, Washington. That was the first go live site. And since the deployment, it seems as if the clinicians there are still experiencing some issues. And I'll describe a couple of them. I spoke with one Spokane doctor who wanted to remain anonymous because they didn't get permission to speak to the press. And this person said that, you know, the problems started occurring almost immediately as soon as the EHR went live. And I have to say that was not the message that we got from VA uh, last October. This person said that, you know, some tasks that, you know, previously took two or three clicks in the old health record now take 10 or more. And, you know, obviously employees are still learning the quirks and the tricks associated with each of these tasks in the EHR. But, you know, this person also said that some patient addresses weren't migrated correctly from the old system to the new one. So that means that VA doctors are double checking veterans data to ensure that prescriptions are going to the right places, which has been a problem. And multiple sources told me, Tom, that, there were instances of data failing to migrate or not transmitting properly when passed from one module in the EHR to another. So this doctor that I spoke to described an example where a doctor had written instructions for a patient in the EHR, but when the nurse down the hall opened the EHR to review those notes, the directions differed from what the doctor had initially described. And, you know, luckily the two caught each other and confirmed what actually should happen and prevented a patient care mistake. But still, you know, that's a concern. Another problem that I want to bring up is the community care referrals. They're also taking longer with the new EHR, at least according to this person I spoke to. And, you know, they described a situation where, a patient got referred to a community care provider, but the referral got dropped in the new system. And this process should have taken two weeks, but instead took six, according to this person. And of course, you know, community care, I mean, that's a big concern of Congress. Sure. That's the whole point is that if, you know, the patient can't see a VA provider within a certain amount of time, they should be able to go to the community. Yeah. So these issues then have could have potentially serious clinical outcomes. It's not just an administrative or button pushing situation. Right. And that's the concern that employees have. And Congress, I think, is definitely in tune to what these problems are, either because VA employees have gone directly to them or, uh, you know, Dr. Richard Stone, he's the acting undersecretary for health. He visited Spokane in late January and saw some of these problems firsthand. And I think apparently was pretty candid about what those problems were. And so all of this is definitely on the radar of Congress and the new administration. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Have VA and Cerner done anything to try to resolve these problems? So they have. Uh, VA and Cerner formed uh, what's called a Tiger Team, and this included, you know, VA, Cerner, people from the Electronic Health Record Modernization Office, as well as 
Spokane employees on the ground and people who were part of uh, this national council or a series of national councils. And just to back up a minute here, Tom, VA formed these national councils to basically go through and look at all of VA's workflows and kind of configure them to this new EHR. So workflow for emergency or urgent care or um, prescriptions, that kind of thing. Individuals from those national councils were also on the tire teams. But, you know, I spoke to a couple of congressional aides about this effort. One congressional source said that, you know, the accomplishments of the Tiger teams were pretty underwhelming and they only took up a subset of the problems with the EHR and they only solved a subset of those. And, you know, people who were part of these teams described them as mostly they just made lists of the ongoing problems. They didn't really resolve anything. And the tricky thing with this is that a lot of the challenges with the EHR, at least according to some congressional sources that I've spoken to, they say that a lot of it is due to changes that VA made to the original Cerner Millennium platform. So while there are some functions of the new EHR that are working well, things like urgent care or scheduling, there are others that are not. And that's likely because VA's operational practices differ from what the private sector is doing. And so Cerner has been warning and alluding to this idea that if you make too many customizations, you know, things might not work in the way that you're anticipating. And the congressional sources that I've spoken to say it seems like that prediction is correct. Yes, these problems go back as far as the Hollerith punch card in the federal government. <laughs> and we've heard it for decades from OEM vendors of commercial software. If you twist it so much out of shape that it has no resemblance to the commercial product, then it's likely not to work. And so it's kind of a classic problem here. Now, you've also investigated what Congress is hoping for from this strategic review. Plenty of oversight to go around. What are they hoping for? So I think they're hoping for, um, you know, really a candid list of kind of the small, medium and large problems that VA really does need to resolve an acknowledgement of some of these usability problems that congressional staffers are hearing from VA employees and, you know, kind of allusions to them from VA national staff, but maybe not getting an incredibly clear picture. And, you know, I should say that Congress, the uh, House Veterans Affairs Technology Modernization Subcommittee, is actually going to review the EHR rollout uh, today. And so there will be, you know, more chances for members of Congress to learn about what's going on with this EHR. But I think most importantly, Congress is interested in how VA is going to tackle that customization issue. So does VA try to resolve the problems with the customizations they made to the original system and basically create a system that kind of fits VA like a glove? Or do they accept the literal commercial product? And that is a really tough decision, especially considering the scope, the magnitude of this project, you know, $16 billion, 10-year effort, although I think Congress thinks it's going to take a little bit longer, uh, you know, given these issues. And so I think they want to see an acknowledgement from VA that they have to kind of grapple with that really um, tough decision there. And in the meantime, no more deployments at this point. Well, you know, that's actually another thing to bring up. So Congress wants VA to resolve all of this before they move on to another deployment, which is scheduled for Columbus, Ohio. But I think there's another concern that, you know, this strategic review that VA has launched, it's supposed to be about 12 weeks. And 
they say, well, the review should take as long as the review needs to take to resolve some of these problems. And they want VA to actually fix them before moving on and doing future deployments. And I think that's a concern that employees have as well, who have said our morale is kind of shot at this point. You know, the one doctor I spoke with said, I'd pick the pandemic over the Cerner rollout, which I think is a pretty tough statement. That is a tough one. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her ongoing coverage of the VA EHR rollout at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So, what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is Ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing, like never before, on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and Understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is 
extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've uh, led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.